Hello, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. This is Otto. I don't know. Otto Prager wouldn't quite work. I got to tell you, go folks, a very funny story before I get into a theme here. This is, by the way, the Fireside Chat. Every week, we haven't missed one. What number is this? 179. 179 consecutive Fireside Chats. By the way, this is unscripted entirely, and sometimes it shows. <laughs> but it's truly just my chance to tell you what's on my mind and take your questions. I was at a, I was giving a speech last week in Florida and to potential donors to PragerU and there was a cocktail hour. So we're standing around, a woman comes over to me and she said, you know, it's, uh, it's too bad you couldn't bring your beautiful. And of course, my mind, as we all do, we fill in the assumptive word, the presumed word. And I filled in wife. Oh, it's too bad. You know, I'm sorry you, you couldn't bring your beautiful wife. And instead, the word auto comes out. Uh, and <laughs> I cracked up inside I didn't want to crack up because she wouldn't understand why you're laughing. But that's what she said. Oh, I'm so sorry. You, you know, you couldn't bring your beautiful Otto. <laughs> he is quite a star, but you, as you can see, doesn't, doesn't do anything. A nap is still a nap. So anyway, welcome the... There's like a conspiracy, it has been for the last year. Every time I want to talk to you about some great topic about life, something happens in the news, which disrupts all my plans. So, of course, the, uh, the shootings, not just Boulder, but especially the shootings uh, and, and mass murder, as it were, in Atlanta, have raised that that one raised all of this obsession now I mean, we're bathing in this terrible lie of anti-asian racism in america another example of white supremacist thought that's taken over the country it is an enormous lie it is fomented i i'm going to read to you a little bit from my column of this week because I want to get everything right. So why are they why are they fomenting this lie? I gave uh, five reasons. One to further demonize America. Two to further demonize white Americans. Three to further divide Americans by race and ethnicity. Four, reinforce or create the belief among Asian Americans that they are widely hated. And five, engender ethnic identity among Asians American, Asian Americans, most of whom have heretofore essentially considered themselves Americans who happen to be of Asian descent. It is a very nefarious project. 
to spread this lie that there is some massive anti-Asian white supremacist bigotry out there. So I am going to take a question here. First, because it's about the subject, then I will continue my thoughts about it. So let's get this week's video question and, and we begin. Hey Dennis, my name is Jared, I'm 30 and I live in Los Angeles and I'm a very big fan by the way. Uh, my question to you is this, though I think I know what your answer is going to be. I'm sure that you have heard about the recent attacks at the spa uh, committed by a so-called white supremacist. My issue with this is that we have seen time and time again, especially in this past year, the media used minorities as political props to further certain agendas. I don't think that one attack that we saw recently equates to white nationalism or white supremacy or systemic racism in general. When if you look at the statistics, before two days ago, there was a string of anti-Asian hate crimes that were not being perpetrated by white individuals. That's my personal view, and I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. Thanks, and keep doing the good work. I will. Thank you. Megan, may I uh, trouble you? Thank you. First of all, the lie begins with the actual murders themselves. They had, to the best of our knowledge, to any knowledge whatsoever, had nothing to do with the women being Asian American. I'm, I would like to add two of those murdered were not Asian American, but even the six that were Asian American, that was not the reason. We all now know the reason, unless evidence comes out which is very unlikely, everything's possible, but it's unlikely that evidence will come out that it was because they're Asian. First, the man has zero record of tweeting or expressing anything to, having anything to do with Asians, period. There's always a, a record of this among haters, okay? There's nothing. Second, he, we know why he did it. He called himself a sex addict. He was in rehab for sex addiction, and he frequented at least two of these massage parlors. So he, this was his way. He, he lived with, he was the son of a pastor, I believe. He lived with enormous religious guilt, and his way of assuaging it, sick, sick, evil way, was to kill the people who fed his, his uh, uh, addiction. He blamed them, not himself. So th that's it. That's the reason he did it. We, we know the reason. So the use of this is phony, but the whole issue is phony. So I will prove it to you how phony the whole issue is of this massive amount of anti-Asian racism in America. By the way, a guy that I call my drug dealer because he is my audio equipment a dealer, uh, is Filipino. And, and he, he just called me up the, the other day and he was essentially laughing. He, he's, he's, he's so 100% comfortable as an American that the, the, the thought that there's this anti-Asian uh, th thing going around. Most Americans don't give a damn, frankly, if you're Asian. 
doesn't it doesn't strike them as an issue. It, it's it's not worthy of talking. Everybody knows I'm Jewish, but it doesn't mean anything to 99% of the people who talk to me. They know it. That's the same with Asians. We we know you're an Asian, but it doesn't mean anything. That's the American way. We know you're X, but it doesn't matter to us. We know you're black, but it doesn't matter to us. We know you're Hispanic, but it doesn't matter to us. Fill in the blank. This country has achieved the least amount of xenophobia and racism in any country in the world's history that had multiple ethnicities living in it. So listen to this. March 18th, the Washington Post reported anti-Asian hate crimes have spiked 150% since the pandemic began, according to a recent study. Sounds bad, doesn't it? Spiked 150%. So I went to check the study because, you know, it was, it was a, had a hyperlink. The study cited by the Washington Post, the New York Times, CNN, and other left-wing media is from the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism at California State University, San Bernardino. The 150% increase in anti-Asian American hate crimes is contained in its fact sheet, Anti-Asian Prejudice, March 2020 according to which the number of anti-Asian American incidents rose. Are you ready? This is the 150% rise from 49 in 2019 to 122 in 2020. The entire edifice of hate against Asian Americans is predicated on an alleged increase of 73 incidents. By the way, this is incidents. This is not killings. This is not beatings. This is only incidents. If I call you a bad name, and it might even have nothing to do with your being Asian American, but you might take it as such, that qualifies in this, their words, uh, what is it? Uh, spike. That's it. Spike. I love that. A spike of 150%. You realize these percentage things mean nothing. Uh, let's say there had been one anti-Asian American incident, and the next year there were three. That would be an incredible spike. 300%, right? More, on, more thoughts on that. Given that there are about 330 million Americans, and assuming a different American was responsible for each of the 122 anti-Asian incidents, that would mean one in every 2,704,918 Americans committed an anti-Asian incident. <laughs> As regards violent acts against Asian Americans, listen to this. this how many mainstream media are going to report this? According to the U.S. Bureau of Justice Statistics from September 2019, blacks have committed the greatest percentage of violent crimes against Asian Americans. But the mendacious, lying media don't report that. Gets worse. The New York Times, the leader in mass hysterias fomented by the left, printed this headline last week. Quote, 
Attacks on Asian Americans in New York stoke fear, anxiety, and anger. The subhead reads, hate crimes involving Asian American victims soared in New York City last year. Focus on the word soared and you will appreciate the New York Times commitment to truth. If one reads past the headline, which most people do not, the article gives the actual numbers. Quote, this is in the New York Times article. The number of hate crimes with Asian American victims reported to the New York Police Department jumped, jumped, soared, to 28. 28. In 2020, from just three the previous year. Yep, you read that right. The number of incidents soared and jumped to 28. In a city of 8.4 million people, including, as of 2010, over 1 million Asian Americans. Right? So, about one in every 300,000 New Yorkers committed a hate crime against an Asian American, and about one in every 36,000 Asian Americans living in New York was a victim of a hate crime. To put this number into perspective, the odds of your dying in a motor vehicle accident are about 1 in 9,000. So you have a four times better chance of dying in a car accident than an Asian in New York does of being targeted for, for a hate crime. <laughs> it's sick. It's all sick. It's all a lie. It's a gigantic lie like systemic American racism. This is all lies, like the Russian collusion story. The mainstream media lie for a living because truth is not a left-wing value. It's a liberal value. It's a conservative value. It has never been a left-wing value. Another New York Times article under the headline, A Tense Lunar New Year for the Bay Area After Attacks on Asian Americans, opens with this. This is as dramatic as any, everything I told you before. Quote, the videos are graphic and shocking. In January, a local television station showed footage of a young man sprinting forward, then violently shoving to the ground a man identified as Vicha Ratamatpakti, 84, who had been out for a morning walk in the Anza Vista neighborhood of San Francisco. He later died. The Times piece never reveals the name or race of the perpetrator. Antoine Watson a 19-year-old black man. Okay. So, my dear friends, I only do that so you get to see Megan's arm. It, it, is, it is a definite highlight of our videos, and I thought I'd share it with you. That is a disgrace. The whole thing is a disgrace. And then you read all these, now these pieces in the New York Times, Washington Post, LA Times by Asian American writers and so on. Oh, I thought I was American, but now I realize that people see me as an Asian and I have to rethink my Americanness. So it's amazing how the left media can manipulate the minds of people who know better, the Asian Americans themselves. So let me say to you, we don't care. The vast majority of Americans don't care. 
If you're Asian American or Latino American or Black American or Jewish American or Catholic American or Buddhist American, okay? We don't care. We go on with our lives with you. That's the way it works. Okay, let's take some questions here. All right, question number one is from Prague, Czech Republic. I just spoke, it's from Jan, who's 17 years old. I just spoke to a 20-year-old Prager Force member in, in the Czech Republic. Maybe they ought to meet. That girl, by the way, was so bright, mature, stable. Uh, it was a joy to talk to her. Hello, Dennis. My name is Jan, and I'm seventeen year old. I'm a seventeen year old student. I've been arguing with my parents since since the COVID crisis started. Their view is that everything must submit to their health, even me and my social life. I can't meet my friends or even do sports with them. By the way, my parents are 45 and do not suffer from a serious illness. What should I do? I am not sure if I can honor my parents as it is written in the Ten Commandments. God bless you. Well, God bless you for even asking it. It's such a credit to you that you would be wrestling with the command to honor your parents when your parents are asking you to do something so irrational. My heart goes out to you. If they're 45 and healthy, they have a zero, basically, thing to worry about. Close to zero. There's never a zero. There's no zero going and driving in a car. But it's close, it's close to zero. 45 and healthy, you'll be fine. I have learned from the COVID crisis and the acceptance of the lockdowns by Americans, and for that matter, almost every other group, except the Swiss. Swiss had a very big demonstration against it in, in one city this uh, past week. And, and, and of course, the Swedes did not have a full lockdown either, bless their souls. But I have learned that fear is inconquerable by reason. It, it, if a fear is irrational, then reason has no impact. I'm very sorry to say that. It just adds to my general uh, non-admiration for human nature. <laughs> And the human species. There are great individuals, but humanity uh, pretty much uh, is unimpressive. I, I, I don't know. I don't know an answer. I, I think what you have to do is respectfully live your life. What, what would I do if I were in your position? I'm not saying you can do it. Uh, I, I would be so aware of the bad effects on me of not seeing my friends. I mean, that's an issue that parents who love their child, and I'm sure your parents love you, should consider. The effect on you of, of not seeing friends, that's what you're writing, in a year? Uh, I would say, Mom and Dad, I respect you and I love you, if you could add that. 
and I'm going to live until you're ready. I'm going to live at a friend's house. That's what I would do. I am not going to socially and emotionally die because mom and dad, whom I respect, are irrational. I can't, I cannot live under irrational rule. That's me, Dennis. So uh, I, I don't know if that's available. I don't know if a friend would have you over at his or her house. That Those are all uh, unanswerable by me. But uh, a year of this based on complete irrationality uh, is something I would find very difficult uh, to accept. In fact, I would say that in order to preserve your bond with your parents, it would be ideal to leave the house for this period of time. Specifically to preserve good feelings between you. Because th this, is, this is not engendering love or respect for them, given how irrational the response is. You'll kill me if you play with your friends? I don't know, I guess they, even though they're Czech, they must be reading the New York Times. It's our timing, my dear Megan. 21. Oh, we have quite some time here. Whoa, my inner clock was really off. Mm -hmm. I'm usually uh, good on that. Tim Butler, Pennsylvania, 35 years old. Dennis, recently I read some stories of people who left the witness protection program because the possibility of death was not worth the isolation from their friends and family. You all know what the witness protection program is, where somebody has testified against a dangerous group like, like a drug cartel or uh, a, a mafia a, a, a group. And so they are, they are put in a witness protection program. Their identity is changed. Nobody knows their address. They're protected in some place that they don't live normally. As we approach the one-year anniversary of, quote, two weeks to slow the spread, good one, it's the year anniversary of a two-week promise. My question is, how many years of your life would you be willing to give up for the possibility of adding years to your life? That's, that's really a good one. That's really the question that, that is being posed. I, I am of the, uh, look, everybody would, everybody would say, I'll, I'll give up a year of freedom to have two more years of freedom later. Uh, I, I mean, that, that's, that's, a, that's a rational answer, right? But uh, that's, not what the, that's not what I believe in reality is being offered. We're being told to lose a year of our life and we won't gain anything. That's what I believe. If I, if I believe this was scientifically and rationally a good idea to quarantine healthy people for the first time in human history, uh, I, I, I would think that's great. Look, I'm adding years to the end. But, but I, I don't believe that for a second. In fact, the, I have a different question. How many suicides, uh, lapses of, of addicts backed into their addiction, opioid deaths, um, uh, emotional breakdowns, uh, a lack of schooling, throwing kids back 
uh, for at least a year in their in their in critical educational time, depriving children of playtime with other children. How much are, are you willing to give that up for a potential gain in health? Well, that's that's the real question, and it's it's not even it's not even potential. Hey, doing auto. I have to tell you, it is very relaxing. All right, that's my answer to that. All right, Otto, you're a good man and a good dog. Haydar, 35, Beirut, Lebanon. Good to hear from you. I was born to a Muslim family, but I have been an atheist since the age of 13. Before I go on, I want to comment on that. I have a theory that you'll find of interest. The most, the, the, the most, the highest percentage of atheists being produced these days is in Muslim countries like Lebanon, but especially Iran. Second highest is in, in the United States because of the uh, secular brainwash at our educational institutions. And third is, is Europe, which has already been radically secularized. But I remember when I first thought about this, I, I was in Australia giving some lectures. And I was at an outdoor restaurant right across the, the opera house on the Sydney Harbor. And very a pretty waitress was serving my wife and me. And I, I talk even to the non-pretty men who serve me. I just talk to everybody. I don't care your age, your sex, sexual orientation. I just love talking to people, especially strangers. Anyway, so I asked her where she's from. And she said, originally Iran. And I said, so are you Muslim, Christian, or Jew? Which could have been any of the three. So she said, none. I said, okay, why were you raised? She said, Muslim. And now I'm an atheist. And I realized the, uh, the Islamists have presented religion as so awful and evil and irrational and fanatical that it has turned off vast numbers of young Muslims who otherwise might have a, a warm feeling toward their faith. And so when you tell me you were born into a Muslim family and you consider yourself an atheist since you were 13, uh, I, I think I know where you're coming from. Don't you think that conservatism as a philosophy should be concerned more with political views than religious ones? As an atheist, I tend to agree more with conservatives on various issues such as capitalism, less government, opposing the critical race theory, freedom of speech, and freedom of religion. But every time conservatives emphasize the fundamental role of religion in their views, it creates a feeling that they are pushing atheists, agnostics, and non-believers away, and that conservatism is not as inclusive as it should be Thank you for the amazing work. Well, shukran to you, my friend. That was thank you in Arabic. 
And uh, that's a very important question. So let's see here. Are we pushing atheists, agnostics, and non-believers away from conservatism by emphasizing the religious foundations of conservatism, certainly in America? Uh, uh, unless you feel you have to move away, we're not pushing you away. Secular conservatives are critical to conservatism and the fight against the leftist attempt to undo the West. We need you and you need us. That's really what it amounts to. However, we have to be intellectually honest. In, in the, the foundational document of the United States of America, the Declaration of Independence, it speaks about the Creator giving us certain inalienable rights, specifically life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That they're, they're given from the Creator. If there's no Creator, there are no inalienable rights. Even a secular conservative who loves the American foundation has to acknowledge if God is not, if the creator, if you will, is not the author or the giver of inalienable rights, who is? There's no such thing as inalienable rights unless there is a rights giver. If, if all our rights come from men and government, then we can lose those rights in a generation, which is exactly what is happening among those who think that they are not from God. Conservatives in America tend to think that God wants us to be free. So you're depriving us of our basic right to be free or violating God's will. That's a big deal. So we want you. We don't, we don't want to exclude you. We have no desire to. Uh, and. We welcome you, and I hope you welcome us. But it doesn't work without, conservatism doesn't work without it. That is why America has three mottos. E pluribus unum, from many one, liberty, and in God we trust. Because that's, that God is the source of liberty. Man cannot be the source of liberty. Look at how much less liberty we have now than just a few years ago. And I specifically refer not to the lockdowns, which is an example, but to the suppression of free speech, the greatest single freedom of all. It's not a coincidence that as America has become more secular, it has also become less free. Good point to end on. Mm -hmm. Very good stuff today. I want to thank you, Otto. You're a trooper. What he has to suffer through, lying in a bed next to a fire. I mean, what kind of life is that? The answer, enviable. Before saying goodbye till next week, I would like to remind you that everything we do is free, including, of course, the Fireside Chat, and that is because people fund us, people like you. Half of our funds come in from public folks who give a, a modest sum of money, and it is 
The more people who give a modest sum, that's the more we have to publicize what we do and make more videos. This is fundraising month coming to an end. And I ask you to give something to PragerU at PragerU.com. I thank you and I'll see you next week. Thank you for watching this video. To keep PragerU videos free, please consider making a tax-deductible donation.